Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you to follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23, the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because you see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Good morning, church family, and a very happy Valentine's Day to you all. Picture this for a romantic scene. The year is 2016. You're sitting in the world-famous chef Jamie Oliver's Marquee Restaurant. It's Jamie's Italian. You've waited weeks for this night. The atmosphere is magic with its dim lighting. It's the room decorated with that bohemian sophistication that only Jamie can pull off. You're sitting in one of those leather dining chairs that can only be described as a luxurious Chesterfield recliner. And it's been nearly two hours of feasting on the best modern Italian cuisine that the greatest minds have thought up and the greatest chefs have served up. You're fit to burst from all this indulgent indulgent experience. You're still scraping on that egg-speckled, shallow, expensive, gold-rimmed plate of the last remnants of the dessert. 
that you feel has changed your life expectancy. What a night. It was a a night like no other, but not because of the food. There's something missing from this scene. There's something wrong with this scene because your beautiful partner across from you, your new wife of just over one year, has not uttered one single word to you all night. Eye contact has only been accidental and fleeting. Tonight has been a disaster. And this happened to me. Well, it happened to us. Happened to me. And boys, can you guess where I went wrong? Did I fail to confirm that her buttocks were indeed small in what she was wearing that night? Did I take her somewhere she hated? Did I speed all the way there? Did I slander her mother? Did I compare her to her mother? No, this night it was her 31st birthday and I didn't buy her a present. Yes, wives and girlfriends out there, I did not get my wife a present on only the third birthday that we'd spent knowing each other. And I can hear your collective groans and boos. I can feel the tomatoes hitting me through the screen, through the screen where Katie and I were celebrating six years of marriage this year. And do you think I've missed a birthday since? Nah. Does the birthday spend grow every year? Am I trying to buy atonement for this cardinal sin of five years ago? You bet I am. But boy, do I wish I'd been more prepared. I wish I'd put as much thought into the restaurant booking, into what to wear, into breakfast in bed or all those other things that I did in what mattered most to her at the time, which was a gift. Last week, Luke kicked off a new series for us as a church, a new focus for a new year. We're preparing our hearts. Why? Well, the world is a different place and most of the major and memorable events of 2020, they weren't on the agenda. We didn't see them coming, nor did we know the toll that they were going to take on our lives. We didn't gather as a church family as we usually did. Our ministries had to be adjusted and God challenged us on some of our convictions and our identity has slightly changed as a church, but our foundation is still Jesus. Our focus is still Jesus and our lives still belong to Jesus and our mission is Jesus. And we're excited for this year. At Follow, we want to be a community that's that's hungry for change, hungry for growth in His name and that we're expecting big things. Luke talk about, talked about those Kairos moments last week, the moments when we encounter God and we're compelled to action, conversion or transformation. And they're coming and we should expect them. I was thinking about my own Kairos moment when I was about 17. I was just figuring out God for myself. I was, being, I was a pastor's kid and I was always surrounded by religion, but I was forging my own relationship with him. And one Saturday night when I was home, probably procrastinating from my year 12 assignments or exam prep, I was in my room and I felt compelled to put on a worship CD and just sit on my bed and and listen. And I mean, anything better than study, right? And the strangest thing happened to me. I felt this magnetic pull, a physical force. It was dragging me down onto the floor. God drew me to my knees And I was overcome with this powerful emotion and I wept and and I didn't know why. And then I found myself laying flat on my face on the floor of my bedroom for what felt like hours. I I think it was only 
maybe 10 or 15 minutes. I was spending this time just purely in his presence. And still 20 years later, it's one of the most real in terms of intensity experiences I've had with him. And if you're excited to leave whatever trash 2020 served up behind, seeking his Kairos moments, his transformational power, well, let's behave as if it's a certainty. Let's plan as if he could intervene at any moment. This series is titled Preparing Our Hearts, and the aim is to prepare as a faith community for all that's ahead. So let's do that today, and let's talk about preparation. Our text today is the parable of the sower. And the reason I felt God wanted me to share from this story this morning is because we are a church that's expectant for growth and good fruit in the community. And if we are that church, then there needs to be good soil for that to sprout from. And in this parable, the intention of the sower is, of course, to sow seeds, to grow something, right? Our text, Jesus talks about the sower throwing out the seed and some landing on a rock-hard path and not sprouting at all, some seeds sprouting up but dying quickly, and some seeds sprouting up and being eaten up, and some seeds flourishing. In this story, you and I and our friends and our family and our colleagues wear the soil. i got to confess, you guys, when, when people ask me how my 2020 was and I list all the good things that God blessed me with because I'm that kind of keeping up appearances, happy-go-lucky guy, I I feel like I might be kidding myself a bit. Did I feel thorny and choked up and distracted by all life's up and downs and adjustments last year? You bet I did. Did I feel sometimes my relationship with God was like pulling a lawnmower cable that would splutter out after only a few revs? Well, yes, I did. And was even my heart hard towards God at some stages last year? I confess that it absolutely was. And what about you? What sort of soil are you? What sort of soil do you resonate with? Are you thorny and distracted? Are you rocky and short-term? Are you struggling to push through it all and go deeper? Or is your soil going to ping those seeds just straight off and bounce out and let the birds come and take them away? Or do you feel like your soil really is rich right now? Is it cultivated? Is it bearing crops or is it at least ready to? Well, every soil, as a gardener knows, needs a different approach to prepare the seed. So let's go through them. You could be a path person, heart of heart. Matthew 13, 4 says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. When the New Testament was written, communities were agriculturally based. A family would be appointed a section of land to farm and every farmer's plot was adjacent to their neighbours. And in order to get to the fields, the farmers, they would walk along the boundaries, bordering each other to avoid stepping on each other's growing plants. They showed a lot of respect. So this path was held in common by all the farmers in the area. And over time, the soil on that path would compact from all the traffic. It was never ploughed, it was never fertilised. So in the parable, the seed that's sown on the path is not able to penetrate the ground because it's of its constant use. The condition of the first soil is hard and impermeable. Are you a daydreamer? I was a big daydreamer as a kid and I still think I do this now. I find myself 
with this resting frown on my face, eyes fixed a thousand yards into the distance, but penetrating through whatever is in my focus. But my thoughts are miles away, my brain chewing the card on some minor issue or replaying a previous conversation over and over in my head or remembering a nostalgic moment from the past. I am oblivious to whatever's going on around me. And do you know anyone who's like this when they're on their phone? World War III could be going off all around them, but they're unfazed and their focus is unwavering. The world around, it just bounces off us in these times. You ever hear the phrase, fall on deaf ears? Well, if we don't take God's word seriously, if we hear it but ignore it, that's the soil we're representing. Jesus said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And this has devastating consequences for our lives. It's one of Satan's most important missions. It's to keep us in the dark regarding the understanding of the gospel. Spurgeon said, Satan is always on the watch to hinder the world. He's always afraid to leave the truth, even in hard and dry contact with a mind. If you've been honest with yourself and your heart is hard like the path, well, first of all, you've taken a great step in recognizing this. And I've been praying for you this week that God will reveal this to you. And you know what? I have a feeling it's not just because this Jesus stuff might be brand new and you don't understand it. Because that road, those paths in between all those fields, they've been trodden and your heart might have been sermon trodden or Bible bashed for so long that maybe you've become numb to the word of God. Well, I want to pray two things into your life right now. And the first thing is don't let your everyday change your fire. Let your fire change your everyday And I pray that God will send a spark in your life that will become a flame and become a raging fire. And did you know that fire can be good for soil? It can increase soil fertility because fire chemically converts the nutrients bound in the dead plant tissue and it increases mineralization rates through its impacts. There's a science lesson for your Sunday morning. But also I pray that you make time for him, even if it's just when you're pulling into the car park at work or brushing your teeth or just before you turn the light out, open that Bible and have a quick read. The presence of God is to the believer what oxygen is to a flame. The presence of God to a believer is what oxygen is to a flame. You might be a rocky soil person, the flash in the pan and In our text in uh, verse 5 to 6, it says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. The second type of soil mentioned in the parable is those rocky places or the shallow soil where the plow, it didn't cut deep enough to break up the shale or the hard ground just below the surface. And this soil produced only plants with weak, shallow roots. I've started four different tertiary courses in my life and I have zero degrees to my name. I got very excited about all of them and had the best intentions for the very first few weeks or days. But when the going got tough, Lockie got going right out the door to find something else 
that was easier or more exciting. And we've all got that friend that we catch up with every few months and they've always got a new hobby. They've started knitting or now they're into golf or cycling or they've bought an expensive camera or they're going to read a book every year or actually that sounds a little bit like me. I've always got something new and exciting going on but oftentimes this is only for a short period of time. But when it comes to a passion for Jesus, is this you? Do you ever have that New Year's resolution every January? I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. This is the year. And some of us at Follow, not myself, but I tried. Some of us at Follow did read the Bible, uh, the whole Bible last year. It's life altering. It's a hard task and it can add a lot of pressure and stress. It's exciting and worthwhile and life changing. Uh, But what do we do to make sure we follow through? Do we get to march halfway through Leviticus and just put the book down and don't pick it back up? And I remember thinking back to where I was 12 months ago, on the cusp of everything sort of changing in our 2020. And I really felt like this year, uh, me and God were going to sort sort some things out once and for all. And I was fired up. Can, can you relate to that feeling 12 months ago? But what did I really do? What did we really do to prepare ourselves for what was to come? Did we rely on, on riding that emotional high for the whole of the year? And would that have worked? Well, we know the answer is no. It's a superficial faith that springs up when times are good. But when the heat comes, just like the sun on a hot day, the small seedling that shot up out of the rock will wither and die for lack of soil and lack of water. And Jesus says about that soil and that seed, the seed falling on the rock, rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Psalm 1 is one of my favorite passages and I go to it often to ground me, to renew my focus, to make sure my power cord is plugged into the right source, that my tree or even my soil is getting the nourishment it needs to sustain. Let's read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. They choose not to place themselves with sinners or sit in the sidelines and judge. This person delights in God's word. They meditate on this joy all the time, day and night. I would encourage you, if you're one of these fleeting people that gets excited but feel like frustrated because it doesn't last, don't wait until you have a passion for God to worship. Worship until you're passionate because it will come. Don't wait until you have a hunger for his presence to spend time with him. Spend time with him and the hunger for his presence will grow and will come. The streams of water will be there and they will grow you and they will sustain you. 
If you desire a true hunger and passion for God that not only continues but grows, it starts in his presence. When passion fades and fear abounds, we must get ourselves into the presence of God. And remember, the presence of God is to the believer what oxygen is to a flame. In his presence, fears are silenced, dreams are fed, purpose is given, true love is exchanged, the Kairos moment is opened for us. So seek his presence, plug into his word, and continue to gather in his name also. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hear more about those life groups that follow and the importance of journeying this year with others, ironing, sharpening iron, deepening your roots of faith and hope in his grace and his mission for us in his community. The next soil type is the thorny soil person, the El Distracto. And Matthew 13, 7, it says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The third type of soil is the the thorny soil, most likely found in the corners of the field where the plough couldn't reach. Here the weeds overtook what was planted. And thorns can grow just about anywhere, in poor soil, rocky soil, good soil. In Jesus' day, People didn't have sophisticated herbicides. Today we can spray these on the soil and they eventually they kill virtually all the weeds. Without thorns or weeds, we can have grain and other crops growing unhindered by the unproductive plants, but nothing, nothing is around to compete with and choke the life out of the good grain. The soil is fertile, maybe it's too fertile, and there are a lot of other things thriving in our gardens that shouldn't be, or at least shouldn't be overgrowing and choking. Psychology has taught us that there are three basic needs of every human being. They're food, clothing, and shelter. But it's funny how we add so many more to that list in our day and age, like a good car, multiple phones and tablets, a a partner, a decent paying job, a hobby, and all the things in life that we we put on our list as non-negotiables. We try to convince these things, uh, convince ourselves that these things won't come in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Well, how could these deter our walk with him? But you know as well as I do, we can end up giving them our undivided attention. We've bought into our own lives, into our own lies, and we're slaves to these idols. We're regularly distracted by something. We need to take note because our attention often runs to what's important to us. So distraction can reveal what we love. This happened to Jesus' friend, Martha. Martha was busy in the kitchen while Jesus was teaching in her home. And when Martha complained that her sister Mary wasn't helping out because she was sitting at Jesus' feet, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted from Jesus. By what? By serving, serving her guests. Why? Because she was anxious. What was she anxious about? She was anxious about feeding everyone. In all likelihood, anxious about what everyone would have, would have thought of her and her household if she wasn't a good host and didn't do it properly. But Martha didn't realize her distraction until Jesus helped her to see her heart. She thought she was doing the right thing by serving everyone. Jesus pointed out to Martha that her values were disordered. She'd shifted her attention from something very important to something important, but not as important. So in our busyness, we need to ask, what's the real distraction? 
Are we choosing the good portion, seeking the great one thing, like in Psalm 27, 4, or is it something else? Jesus was very clear when it came to these things in Matthew 6, 25 to 30. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They never sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? When it comes to preparing our hearts, we simply need to make Jesus a priority in our lives so the thorns don't choke our relationship with him. It doesn't have to be overwhelming or anything too special to make small changes and make room for him. Like if someone is on your mind or something's on your thoughts, just invite God into that thought, into that moment in prayer and say, hey God, can you help me work this out? Or Jesus, I'd love you to bless this person. Or, hey, Lord, that was awesome what just happened. So thank you. Or if you've got a big decision coming up, include him in that. Ask that he blesses it. Ask him to guide you. Talk and pray with other folk about it. See if there are Bible passages that could point you in the right direction. Uh, A good friend of mine has just switched from listening to the news and stand-up comedy on his commute to work to listening to sermons. It changes his his whole outlook for the whole day. It prepares him for the grind in an attitude of prayer and reverence. Little changes can go a long way to fertile soil in preparation for the harvest. What about the good soil person, those who actually hear? Matthew 13, 8 to 9 says, Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced crop. A hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. All the types of soil mentioned here are actually in the same plot of ground with one major difference. Only one area was fully yielded to cultivation, to be changed and prepared for planting. And that area was called the good soil. Jesus himself thought that this whole parable that we're going through was his most important. He even asked his disciples, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Whoever has ears, let them hear. If your heart is good soil to produce good fruit, it means you're in tune with God. You're listening to him and his message isn't bouncing off you or getting lost in the noise of life. You remember that story when I was a teenager and I just had that random powerful encounter with God on my bedroom floor on a Saturday night. Well, hand on heart, I was not ready for that. You know what? That Back then, my heart was probably more rocky, flat soil than it's ever been. And that experience that I had, I wasn't going to share it with anyone. The next morning at church, the emotion had passed, and I was just going to go through the old teenage go to church with your parents motions again. But God's always throwing out seeds. And whoever has ears to hear, whoever really listens, 
they're good soil because they act on what they hear. There was this lady at church. She was a really good friend of my mum's and I was great mates with her sons. She at the time was taking the youth for Bible study during the service and I was out there with, with a few of us and I can't remember what the study was about. But as we were wrapping up, she looks at me and gives me that sort of half sideways pondering look and says, what about you, Lachlan? How's God impacted you recently? And I was floored and I'm convinced that she knew full well that I'd recently encountered God in a, in a unique and life-changing way because she was listening to the stirring of God as, as he'd put my name on her heart most of that weekend. She listened to God. She acted on what she heard. And we talked about what had happened um, and the youth there at that study, they prayed for me and she encouraged me to talk to my pastor about what had happened and my parents. And this was actually a crucial moment in my life that that sort of was a fork in the road and it led me to being baptized after my exams that year and set me on a path for a true commitment to God as my saviour and friend. And truthfully, if we're thinking about what soil we are, none of us are going to be one or the other when it comes to the soil. I mean, like the hard ground, sometimes we allow the word no room at all in our lives. And like the stony places, we sometimes have flashes of enthusiasm in receiving the word and that quickly burns out. And like the soil among thorns, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, they're constantly threatening to choke out God's word and our fruitfulness. Or like the good ground, the word does bear fruit in our lives. But let's think now about the sower. Who's this guy throwing seeds all around haphazardly wherever he can, wherever he can aim? It doesn't seem like he's aiming at all. Well, the sower, that's Jesus. And this story is about Christ coming into our world and sharing God's message of love and forgiveness and redemption. It's about Jesus reaching into the hearts of human beings and planting a seed that has potential to grow into something wonderful. Jesus shares that the sower scattered seed, the word of God, on all types of ground. Didn't say he was meticulously planting the seeds in only the designated good soil areas. He said he was scattering the seed everywhere, and it seems wasteful. I mean, if I were planting in a field, would I throw seed on rocks and thorns in the side of the road? Wouldn't I want to be careful to put the seed in the good soil from the beginning? But Jesus says in Luke 5.31, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Christ made it clear that he came to rescue sinners. His purpose was to bring salvation to everyone. Now, I'm probably going to contradict this, the whole last 20 odd minutes we've been spending together and this whole message we've thrown out the window because maybe this parable isn't even about the soil at all. Jesus never encourages or exhorts anyone to be good soil or good seed. He says that the parable is about the sower. It's about the one who owns and works the fields, the one who owns and plants the seeds. This parable is about a God who's willing to see that there is possibility, even in the rocky, hard, shallow or thorny soil. Even knowing that the seeds may not grow in poor conditions, God scatters and plants anyway. The parable is about a God who declares that the hard-packed soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the dark nutrient soil, God declares that all these soils are acceptable. All these soils are good enough to sow. 
good enough for the word to be scattered on. The sower seems to be scattering seed, knowing that it will probably not grow, but seeing the possibility that it might. So are we the soil or the seeds? Well, that part maybe isn't clear. Maybe it doesn't matter if we know where we fit exactly or we don't, because what this parable shows is a God who has decided to scatter grace, mercy, and love in all directions. This parable shows a God who decided to scatter on the rocky, the shallow, the thorny soil, and the good soil. It's a God who, who what he wants is the word of the kingdom to be heard everywhere and anywhere. It shows a God who's determined to let his creation, these seeds and this soil, to let us know that we're cherished and loved imperfections at all. This, the sowing God is showing us the lenses of good and bad soil that we see the world through are not how the sower sees. The productivity of the soil doesn't determine whether the sower, soils, uh, sower sows. Say that really fast. Whether we are good and holy, whether we are hard, rocky or thorny, these things do not determine whether God loves us. And that's his amazing grace. Jesus will continue to sow. And each one of us who accepts Jesus as our saviour, savior, we also accept the responsibility of becoming sowers ourselves. We have to be willing to follow in his footsteps and carry on his work. So prepare your heart, whatever state its soil may be in, but be expectant that he will sow and have ears that hear, hearts that understand and feet that respond. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you now. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for creating us in your image and thank you for loving us. And we know that some of us are not perfect soil. Some of us are hard. Some of us are thorny. Some of us are rocky and shallow. And some of us are doing our very best to be good, cultivatable soil. That we know that you don't care. You see us as an opportunity still. You still love us enough that you want to give us your good word through your grace to save us from the thorns, save us from the rockiness, Lord. And we accept that now. We say thank you for continuing to sow your seed. We want to prepare for this year, no matter what's going to happen, Lord. We're, we're excited, we're expectant, and we really want to be good soil for you to grow fruit. We want to stand by you. We want to lay our roots next to you to have those living waters come and feed us, Lord. So just help us to make time to be in your presence. Help us to hear your word. Help us to be listening out for those opportunities, those small moments where we might be able to sow our own seeds into other people's lives in our community, Lord. We're excited for Kairos moments. We're excited for what you're going to do in this community. So help us to be prepared, prepare our hearts for your seed. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly message. If you live in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service. All the information can be found on our website, follow.church. You can also follow us on social media at Follow Baptist Church.